We're going to start a new series this week. We've been talking about hearing from God. And you see, once you hear from God, you actually need to do something with what you've heard from God. Okay? And this, this is called get out of the boat. You may notice there's no one in the boat. But the boat represents what a lot of people are metaphorically in because it's old. So I thought it would be a good picture to start out with. And if you're in an old boat, then God brought you here today for a reason. Or maybe you're not in an old boat. Or maybe you're like me and you just don't even like boats. But it's a metaphor, people. So don't worry about it. Would you stand with me and let's read a passage of Scripture that you probably are somewhat familiar with. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the life that, are in, that is in your word, for the life and the freedom that are in your word. Lord, I, I pray that the dullness that the world drops on us, the, the, the haze that it puts us in, that all of that would be blown away this morning, and that we would be quickened to see the life that's in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to I start out this morning by uh, disabusing us of a, of a very popular myth. It's a very American myth. Uh, I think it's American-made. Uh, but I suspect that most of you have, have heard it at, at some point in time. And this is, this is the myth. You can be anything you want to be and do anything you set your mind to. How many of you have ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where, are, where have the rest of you been? Are, are, you, are, you, are you paying attention? That was a show of hands thing. Yeah. Uh, that's not true. No matter how hard I would be willing to work at it, no matter how how, how hard I would try, no matter how many hours I would put in or how much training I would put in, I at no point in my life could ever be a sinner in the NBA. In fact, 
I don't think I could be in the NBA, quite frankly. Uh, and, and no matter how small a country is, none of them would put me on their Olympic team as a sprinter. Now that's just wrong. Yeah. How many of you are tone deaf? Oh, goodness gracious. We have actually two or three hands there. I was told in the first service that you can't be tone deaf because if you truly were tone deaf, you wouldn't be able to recognize your mother and your father's voice. So I guess everyone kind of goes through a tone deaf period at some point in their, in their life. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean when I say tone deaf. I mean, you know, when I say hit, ah, uh, you hit, uh, uh, you're never going to sing in the Metropolitan Opera. I'm sorry. I don't care. You couldn't sing in a Millersville Opera. <laughs> so they actually had one. If you are of average intelligence, and I understand that no one here is average in intelligence. Everybody here is above average. But if, assuming you were of average intelligence, you could never be a nuclear physicist. You might buy a nuclear physicist degree online somewhere, but you will never actually be a nuclear physicist. And just because you're smart, that doesn't mean you can do anything. There are lots of CPAs who will never dance on Broadway. There are... A lot of things that you cannot be. But here's the good news. Because, you see, that's not bad news. Because a lot of the, uh, there are a lot of things that we would maybe like to do that wouldn't work out all that well. But here's the good news. The good news is you can be what you were created to be. And that's far more satisfying. Far, far, once we find out what it is, it's far more satisfying than, than the myth or trying to fulfill the myth. Because you see, a lot of people go chasing after goals in life, and when they achieve those goals, they discover that it was fool's goals. Really? Yeah, you caught it, didn't you? Uh, and if you're, if you're here and you're young, how many of you are young? Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> How many of you are delusional? <laughs> okay. If, you, if you're here and you're young, understand that. Understand that just because it's, it's something that you think you want to do, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's a good thing. It doesn't mean that it's what your real self wants to do. It's probably what's been superimposed on you. Uh, Wait a minute, there should be, okay, no, let me just, let me just do it the way I was going to do it. Uh, where do your desires come from? Where, 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 do, where do you get your desires? Because you see, a lot of people, we don't really even know where they come from because they just kind of get, get superimposed upon us and, and oftentimes by, by society, see? Uh, by what we've seen on TV or the ads that have been that that we've taken in or what we've seen in the movies or something like that, but you ha you have to be careful whenever you whenever you pursue those goals, whenever you go after them. Uh, Peter says, "I urge you as foreigners and exiles—that's us—to abstain from sinful desires which w wage war against your soul." There are there are desires that actually, if they're fulfilled, they destroy. The real you. 
the real, the real stuff that's there. And you say, well, you know, what kind of, what kind of things would be, would be like that? Well, money is actually very high on the list. And, and it's one of those things that we're really trained to want in this culture because it brings, brings power, it brings prestige, it brings comfort, it brings pleasure. Uh, but Paul wrote to Timothy and said, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And yet, you know, we don't really believe that. We don't, we don't really, Lord, give me this temptation. You know, it's this kind of how, how we feel about it. I think I could handle a lot of money. Well, can you handle a little money? Are you faithful with that? A lot of the desires that are, that are superimposed upon us by the world are, are deceitful. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. What, what, what would be like a deceitful desire? Well, let's, let's, let's say this. You've got, you've got this wife. You've got this, this husband. You've got this, and, and, you, and you begin to look around. You kind of go... But if I had that person, then I'd really be happy. If, if I had that one, then that, that'd do it for me. And yet there's a multitude of, multitudes upon multitudes of people who decided, well, I'll go get that one, and did, and found out it wasn't the person they had, it was them that was the problem. Oh, that's good. Some somebody just needed to hear somebody needed to hear that this morning. And if they'll listen to it, it'll keep them from making a very desperate mistake in this coming week. Or, or we look at, at a thing and we kind of go, oh, if I had that thing, I got things, but if I had that thing, then my life would be complete. Mm-mm. No, it's just a thing. And it's not a life completer thing. That's not what it does. Or if I had, if I had a different job, you know, if I, if I get that job, how many of you have ever had a job? How many of you have ever had a job that had no problems with it? How many of you are delusional? <laughs> yeah. And yet we go, man, if I, you know, th- this job, if I had that job, and then you get there and discover, no, it wasn't the job. No. It was, it was you. It make me happy. Okay, well, where else do your desires come from? Uh, sometimes our desires are placed upon us by others. Parents and children. Children who, whose lives are hobbled by the fact that they're trying to be what mom and dad wanted them to be. Whose lives were hobbled by the fact that they couldn't be what they wanted to be, so they try to make Junior and Sissy be that. And not only is nobody happy, nobody likes each other because of it. Peers, community, and and with the best of intentions, with the best of in, when I was <laughs> when I was growing up in Millersville, that's before they had the opera. <laughs> and I don't know if they got one now. They got a mayor. That's that's something. 
But uh, when I was growing up in Millersville, in, in, in the church, you know, my dad was a pastor and everything, and everybody, I, I, I felt like everybody in the church thought that I was supposed to be a pastor. Ha! What do they know? Okay, so they were right. But you know what? I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it growing up. Nobody does. You know, you're going to put me in that box. In fact, I was running from the Lord for a long time. It kind of actually made it hard for me to find out where... See, when I was running from the Lord, the the, the problem with coming back to the Lord was I thought, man, He's going to mess my life up. You know, I I, I, I like who I am. Wrong. But I thought I did. I like who I am. And if I come to the Lord, I'm going to have to be one of them. See, but Jesus never rolled that way. The, um, the passage of Scripture that we, that we read today, uh, the event that happened right before it, before Jesus made the guys get in the boat, was when he fed the 5,000. And what happened when he fed the 5,000 was he fed 5,000, and they went, let's make this guy king. And Jesus goes, oh, they want to make me king. You guys get in a boat. I'm going up on the mountain and disappearing for a while. Because actually I already am a king, but they don't, they don't understand it. And it's not time, and I'm not going to do it that way. The Pharisees wanted a sign. Jesus refused to give them a sign. The disciples were the worst of all. Shut, shut this guy up. He's, he's crying out and disturbing people. No, I'm going to heal him. Send these kids away. They're, they're, they're a nuisance. No, the kingdom is like these. You can't go back to Jerusalem. They tried to stone you the last time you were there. We're going to Jerusalem. The cross? Forget about it. Never, Lord. This, 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 this must never happen. Jesus didn't let anybody define who he was. What, what, what made him happy? What Jesus wanted to do was he wanted to do what he came here to do, what he was sent here to do. So when he got to the end of it, uh, in John 17, he's praying to his father. He said, I brought glory. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What, what What I was placed here for is what I've done, and I've brought you glory. And if you read... If you read from John chapter 13 to John chapter 17, that was the night before he went to the cross. That, 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 you, know, that, you wouldn't expect that to be a really happy time in Jesus' life. And you know what? It wasn't a happy time. But the word joy keeps being, keeps being brought up because those are two separate things. And he was full of joy because he had completed what the Father had sent him to do. So where, where should we find who we are, what, what we really are. Well, in Christ, like I said, when I, when I was away from the Lord, I was afraid if I came back to the Lord that I was going to, he's going to mess my life up. And I came back to the Lord that I discovered, whoa, this is really who I want to be. This is, you know, I thought, I thought you couldn't be, I thought you couldn't serve the Lord and be crazy and zany and do, and do weird, you know, and be weird. Boy, was I wrong. Ha! I remember what, no, I, I don't have time to go there. Uh, it, it, over, in, over in Colossians, it says this, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been 
brought to fullness. That's where your fullness is. If you're looking for it anywhere else, you're not going to find you. You're going to find somebody else's idea of you. You're going to find what somebody else wants you to be, whether it's someone who knows you or someone who's just trying to sell you something. But in Christ, you'll find you. What you really want to be. Where do you, really, where do you feel His pleasure? Where do you really feel His pleasure? Pleasure is not, a, pleasure's not a, a bad thing. It's not an evil word. You know, we hear that word pleasure and we immediately go to sin and the world and stuff like that. They can't have that word. It belongs to us. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power before you, because you created all things. And by your will they were created for your pleasure. Not a bad thing. Now, you still have to, you know, you still got to do the stuff. I mean, Jesus, you know, was completing what the Father sent him to do, but he still had to walk from dusty roads from Jerusalem to Galilee to Bethlehem to all over the place. He still had to put up a knuckleheads every day and, and, and eat and sleep and, and deal with all the things that you have to deal with. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to do that anyway. But what makes you feel the most alive? I, uh, I love this picture. I saw it this weekend. I think it's the perfect picture. Look at it for a minute and ask yourself, when is the last time I felt that way? How often do I feel that way? I mean, really? Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? What just happened? Yeah, I want I want the perfect picture back. Yeah, there it is. This is not about your job. This is not about where you work and how you make a living. Okay, I, I mean, if if they happen to be able to to mesh, that's great. That that that's wonderful. But it when when I when Margaret and I got married, uh, I was employed by the Nashville Metropolitan Government as a senior library assistant. <laughs> yeah, talk about a sweet deal. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, we were, and had that been all we had, we would have been impoverished. But Margaret had a great job. I mean, she, was, uh, she sold steel. Margaret. Can I sell you some steel? You know, and here I am. Can I? Can I put your book away? You know, it's kind of, kind of like that. And you know, and she made, I, she made like twice the money that I made. And listen, guys, especially young guys, I mean, deal with this. But but think about this because I mean, no, that's not threatening at all. You're working in the library. Your wife's selling steel. And she's making twice the money you are, and and I, you know, and I would complain to the Lord about it, and and the Lord spoke to me, to me, He spoke to me. You know, this is what we just this, this the, the last series about God speaking to me. And he said, "What would you like for me to do, Ronnie? Make her ugly or get her fired?" 
And I went, I think I can deal with things the way they are. I mean, yeah, I think I can put my, my ego up on the shelf here for a little while. I mean, can't you just be thankful? So I was, you know, got there. Maybe you can make a living, you know, dancing and you just see that. Or maybe you can't. Or painting or writing poems or whatever it is that that makes you feel a running, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel alive. Maybe you can make a living with it, maybe you can't. But just because it's not your job, don't stop doing it. Do it. Do it anyway. And it may require breaking the status quo of what's going on in your life because you've, you've been in that boat for so long and, you, and, you, and, and this, this job consumes everything and man, I don't like that. And I, yeah. Look, I, when, I got, when I got that job, I mean, when I was uh, working for the uh, National Public Library, I decided I got I to gotta get something better. I want to work for the federal government. Yeah, amen. Say, why would you want to work for the federal government? Well, because I could put in 40 hours a week, never have to worry about whether or not I'd have Sunday off, have my nights off. It would support my habit of, 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 of living and eating and, and, and having a place to stay with Margaret and our kids and working at the church, which is what really brought me joy. So I got a job with the federal government for five years. And you know what? It wasn't the source of my joy. It was the source of the bread on our table. The Lord gave me that. He, he was the source of that. But my life was filled with joy. And you're not too old to change. You may go, man, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this job for a long time, and I've been, I've been like this for a long time. What, r- r- those kids, did, did you see those kids? I mean, that one who was... You know, and, and, then, and then the girl who was like that, and, and I don't know what the other one was, but it was, you know, it was so cool. Look, uh, you, that used to be you. And that, and, that, and that person is still alive in there somewhere. Go back. Find it. Start doing that. Again. You're not too old. Uh, Moses had a career change at 80. So let's get, uh, for the last 10 minutes here, let's get to this, this, this thing about Peter uh, and him getting out of the boat. Being in the boat was not wrong. Jesus put them in the boat. Jesus said, go be in the boat. And just because you're where Jesus told you to be doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be easy because it wasn't. The wind was blowing against them. The, uh, it, it, was, it was buffeting them. Things, it, it was a tough time. But it does mean this. If you're where Jesus had told you to be, he's going to be there. He will show up. And you'll actually see him. You, know, you may go, it's a ghost. But you'll actually see him when, 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 when he shows up. He'll show up in a, in a tangible way. Peter getting out of the boat was just Peter being Peter. That's who Peter was. I mean, when they, when they saw, it, this isn't the only time he did it. Uh, over in the last chapter of John, uh, they were out fishing, and Jesus was on the shore, and they hadn't caught anything all night. And Jesus said, well, try the other side, and they did. And all these fish were caught, and John says, 
uh, I think that's the Lord. Peter goes, the Lord? And he jumped out of the boat again. He put his coat on and jumped out of the boat. Now, and, he, and he swam. He didn't even try to walk that time. He just, you know, he just swam. That, that's, who, that's, who, that's who Peter was. Did Peter have more faith than the others? No. In fact, he's the only one in this story about whom Jesus said, you've little faith. Did he have more courage than the others? No. Fear was Peter's besetting sin. None of those guys in the boat denied knowing Jesus. And you look in Acts and you discover Peter still had some issues with, with fear. But you see, God needed a Simon Peter. He knew it from the get-go. I mean, he said, you're Simon, you're like a reed, you're going to become a rock. There's a transition period. We're going to have to deal with some things. You're going to be in some spiritual adolescence here for a while like most of your life. But he, but he needed a Simon Peter. If for nothing else, he was a great object lesson for others. He, he cut off Malchus's ear when they came to arrest Jesus. Uh, if, if, you, if you look closely at the drawing, uh, uh, drawing, <laughs> painting, <laughs> yeah, it's a little sketch. Uh, if you look closely at the painting, uh, uh, Peter's got a knife that he's holding there. And the reason Da Vinci put that knife there is because he, he cut off Malchus's ear. You know, you kind of go, well, yeah, he, uh, he had a lot of courage that night. No, wait a minute. Can you imagine? He cuts off Malchus's ear. Jesus heals Malchus and says, rebukes Peter in front of the others. I don't know if you ever, my mother was my fourth grade teacher, and I was the object lesson. So if all the kids were, were, were acting up, Guess how it got sorted out? Ronnie, sit down. Be quiet. She was sending a message to everybody else. She's talking to me. See? And so, so Peter, so Jesus was sending a message to everybody, knives away. Can you imagine if all 12 of those guys had started cutting ears off? What Jesus could have done? It would have been, it would have been bedlam. He needed a Simon Peter. See? He was impetuous. He was also impetuous enough to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was also impetuous enough to stand up on the day of Pentecost and go, let me tell you what this is all about, guys. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And if he needed a Simon Peter, he also needs a you. He needs a you. And the... And the and the enemy and the world will do everything it can to keep you bottled up. To put the death, the real you, that's inside there. You know, maybe you're called to be in the boat. Be the best boat stayer on the planet. Hear from God. Return to your first love. Don't be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. If you fail, we're not going to kick you here. If anybody does, tell me about it. We'll, we'll go talk to them. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll help you up. And in fact, if you, if you fall, I promise you, Jesus will be there to lift you up. You may have to go back to school. Go back to school. 
Man, did you start a business? Start a business. Take a step. Hear from God, be obedient, and move. Some of you used to share your testimonies all the time. How long has it been? How long, how long has it been? You used, to, you used to, when you met somebody, one of the first things that you'd want to know is, do you know Jesus? How long has it been since you asked that question? You can at least, I mean, you can be covert about it. Go, where do you go church? You know, I mean, that, that's something. You can start it that way. And the result will be this. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. See, we, we sang about it earlier. He picked me up and turned me around, set my feet on the solid ground. You know what else that passage of Scripture says? Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. If you'll have the courage to find yourself in Christ and, in, and be, be that person. Many will see in fear. Put their trust in the Lord. And you, you will find fullness and joy. Would you stand with me? Um, with those who are going to, I'm sorry, I, was, I went somewhere for a moment. <laughs> with, with those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And, and if, if you need prayer today, this, this, your, this is your time. If, if, you, if you came needing something from God, well, where you're standing right now is the boat, and this is out of it. So, come. Uh, and if you, if you don't need prayer for something, then worship with us for a few moments.